Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. Diversity Church, everybody. Come on, who's excited to be in the house? We also want to welcome those who are watching online as well. And uh, as Billy said, we are continuing Simon Says today. And because we're in the series, we've got to play the game, right? All right, so let's play the game real quick. Simon Says, say amen. Okay, everybody's still in, I think. Simon Says, lift up your hands. That's the first time some of y'all ever lifted your hands in church. Okay, Simon didn't say put them down yet. Hold on. All right. Simon says, put your right hand down. Put your left hand down. Oh, some of you guys lost. Simon didn't say. All right, you guys can put it down and we're not playing anymore. Okay. Yeah, remember Simon says. You only do it when Simon says, right? Uh, That's what we're talking about in this series, but we're talking about Simon Peter, right? Some of you guys didn't know that Peter's name originally was Simon. And we're going to talk about where Jesus changed his name in the series, but he changed his name. And so he's also referred to as Simon Peter or just Peter. Um, and so anyway, we're looking at his sayings in the gospels and we're discussing which ones should we follow and which ones should we avoid just like the game, right? Which ones do we not need to follow because he maybe said out of his flesh and not out of the spirit and which one should we follow because it's really a revelation from God and so we're looking in the gospels throughout uh, the gospels looking at his different sayings and so today's message is based on a saying that he has in Matthew um, and this is the title of the message bid me come Lord save me all right it's basically two different phrases but I'm joining it into one just to kind of look into the character of Simon Peter specifically at this moment in his life. How many of you guys know when we end up getting saved, we got a long way to go still, right? We get saved, but there's still so much work the Lord needs to do in our character. And so at this point in his life, and specifically in this point in uh, following Jesus, he had done a lot of cool things. He was sent out to even heal people and things like that. But he, he comes to this story where you could see him walking on the water with Jesus. And he first said, bid me come. But then right after that, as he was walking on the water, he said, Lord, save me, because he began to sink. And so I just want to talk about this character of him, and I think we're going to find ourselves in this story. Now, I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but uh, I use some King James vernacular here in the title, Bid Me Come, Lord Save Me. The reason why I did that is because when I think of the story of Jesus walking on the water, I think of it in the King James. I don't know if you guys memorize scripture in the King James, but that was the very first uh, translation of the scriptures that I read and memorized. So I'll walk around still talking in the King James sometimes. I just did it to my wife the other day and she was like, what? And I was saying, come hither or something. Like, I don't remember what I said, but you know, I got the nickname in Bible college as King James because it's just, I learned the scripture in King James. I think about these stories in the King James. And so today we're actually going to go into the King James and look at this story of, I know some people are excited about that, uh, of Jesus walking on the water and Peter coming to meet him. Matthew 14, we're going to read verses 25 through 31. And in the fourth watch of the night, the scripture says, which is actually 3 a.m., And if you don't know King James, you want to know what the fourth night uh, watch of the night is. It's 3 a.m., okay? Jesus went unto them. They were on the uh, Sea of Galilee in a boat, and he comes walking on the sea. 
And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. How many guys would agree you'd be troubled too? I thought you'd find yourself in the scripture at this point. You're on the, a boat in the middle of the sea at 3 a.m. You're not having a wife waking up with laughter. You're seeing somebody walking on water, right? That's crazy. And so um, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, because Jesus is good, he spoke to them, or spake, again, King James, to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter, whose, again, name was Simon at first before Jesus changed it, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. That's a part of the phrase of the title of the message. Bid me come unto thee on the water. Allow me to come. Command me to come out here. Verse 29, and he said, come. Jesus did. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Come on, this is amazing. This is crazy stuff, but this is true. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. All right, so this is the phrase. This is the saying that we're looking at. Bid me come. And just a few moments later, Lord, save me. Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? All right, I want to just look into this saying today. This, bid me come, Lord save me. And I want us to see the revelation of Simon Peter and where he was at in his life at this point. I want us to see some things revealed about Simon from this saying. So let's look at three of them today. The first one that I want us to understand about Simon from this saying is Simon was close to Jesus, but not as close as he thought. Simon was close to Jesus, but not as close as he thought. This is an incredible portion of scripture where you see some things in Simon that were really incredible. You see some things in him. He's the only one that had the audacity to talk in this moment, let alone get up out of the boat and walk on the water. Uh, There's some things here, but I want you to understand why he was willing to do this. In verse 29, Matthew 14, 29, it says, And he said, Come, Jesus. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to do what? Just to tell everybody, look at what I can do. Look what I can do. Is that why he's walking on the water in this moment? Is he walking on water just to tell everybody for the rest of time? That he was walking on water. You know what's interesting about this portion of scripture? Matthew is the only one that talks about this. Mark was actually written by Peter's son in the faith, Mark. And Mark doesn't even talk about this because Peter was the one influencing Mark what to write in the book of Mark. He doesn't even talk about this. So for Peter, this wasn't his motivation to walk on water. His motivation was to get close to Jesus. I need everybody to understand this because this is a beautiful thing about Peter. The reason why he was willing to get up out of the boat and walk on that water was simply to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. I want us to understand this, church, because if you would simply get close to Jesus, you will do amazing things with Jesus. 
So oftentimes in the church, we chase signs and wonders and we chase the miraculous and we chase our dreams and we chase trying to do something big for the kingdom of God. I want you to know you're not to chase those things. You're to chase Jesus. And if you would simply just get close to Jesus, you're going to do incredible things with Jesus. Now, I want you to understand. So Simon had to be close enough to the Lord to want to be close to him, even if that meant get up out of the boat and come walk on the sea, even though there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening out here. Nobody's ever done walked on the sea before this moment. It's Peter and Jesus, the only two that I know of who's ever walked on water. And trust me, I've tried before and I failed. Anybody else ever wanted to just walk on water? So you're like, okay, let me try it this time. So you were seeking the sign and not Jesus. Because Jesus didn't tell you to go walk on water. He told you to follow him in whatever other area. And, and so sometimes we'll, we'll choose to go and do those things. And hopefully Jesus will show up. But we won't even obey him when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? And, and so we get so especially in the charismatic church, and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we get so enamored with the miraculous that we forget just to follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. But this is where Peter was. And in following Jesus, what's so awesome, you're going to do some cool things. I can tell you this, that in my life, some of the greatest things that have ever been accomplished in my life is a result of me just following Jesus in the simple things. The reason why I actually went down to Brazil and I was a part of that ministry where, you know, there was thousands of people that I had the influence to minister to and things like that is because I simply followed Jesus when he tells me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I literally was uh, talking to a guy on an airplane one day and I tried to evangelize to an evangelist. What was so awesome about that is he played along with me just to see where this thing would go. And eventually he told me, I'm an evangelist. And then later on, about a year later, he introduced me to the ministry in Brazil. And that fast forwarded my ministry probably 10 years into the future. Simply because I was talking to somebody on an airplane about Jesus because Jesus told me to go into the world and preach the gospel. Whether I'm in an airplane, whether I'm on the street, whether I'm in, you know, wherever, in the church, he told me to go and talk to people about Jesus. So in that, he opened up this door to go and share the gospel in Brazil. I can tell you over and over again, just simply following Jesus, the things that have happened in my life just as a result of that. And so I want you to understand Peter in this moment, the reason why he was walking on water was simply to go to Jesus. All right, so he was close to Jesus in a way, closer even in some ways than the other disciples. They're all in the boat still. They're all, you know, hanging out. They're not even speaking. Peter had the audacity. He had the faith. He had something in him that just drew him to Jesus. And then as a result of that, he's walking on water. Yet we see also just a few moments later as he's out there, he began to sink. And that's when he yelled out, Lord, save me. So I want us to understand this too. No matter how close you are to Jesus, you still got a long way to go. No matter what great thing you've ever done for Jesus, you still got a long way to go. One of the things in getting close to Jesus that we learn is that we're not close enough. 
As we're following Jesus and we're beginning to learn things about him, what we learn is like what Paul learned as he was the closest he had ever been to Jesus towards the end of his life, right before Paul said, I had finished my course, I had run my race. He says, I'm the chief of all sinners. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize I got to get closer. A lot of times pride kicks in. A lot of times we, we begin to feel ourselves in this thing called Christianity. And maybe especially when you begin to do some things for the Lord, you begin to do the miraculous. You begin to preach the gospel. People are getting saved. And at this point, all the disciples have been sent out and they had been doing some of the same works that Jesus had done. And Peter clearly has something inside of him that is drawn to Jesus, that he was willing to get out of the boat and follow him on this water. But you begin to see in the story, it's just a matter of time before he yells out, Lord, save me. He was struggling with doubt, which we're going to talk about later on in this message. He was, he was obviously overcome in this moment with a fear of being out there with the waves and the wind and all that kind of thing. And it teaches us clearly, yeah, he was close to Jesus, but he still had a long way to go. And that needs to be our heart always. And this is the reason why the Lord will even allow the wind and the waves in our life. He allows the wind in the Christian's life just to humble us, to get us to continue to seek him like we've never sought him before. So we don't get to the place where I've arrived in this thing. I've done it. Look at me. I've walked on water. Nobody else has. Well, he also sank because Jesus wanted him to learn this lesson. This is the reason why Peter's coming out here is the Lord wanted him to learn the lesson that you're still not there yet, Peter. Can I tell you, Christian, no matter what you've done, you're still not there yet. If you still have breath in your lungs, if you're still in this place, you might have been walking with Jesus for years. You might even be close to the end of your walk. I don't know who you are, who's listening to me now. I just want you to know you're not there yet. You still got work to do. You still got lessons to learn. You still have humility to be produced. You still have character and you still need to get closer to Jesus. This is the simple reason why Jesus allows Peter to come out there on the water, but also allows the wind and the waves around him. Why? Just to teach Peter that his complete reliance is on Jesus, not on his own goodness, not on his accomplishments, not on the things that he's able to do miraculously, not any of that, but simply in the power of the Lord and his gospel. So you see that Peter was close to Jesus, yet he wasn't as close as he thought. And this is why he says, Lord, save me. He reaches out as he was sinking and he could not stand any longer. How many of you guys know Christian? I'm talking to the Christians in this place. How many of you guys know that is us over and over again in our Christianity, in our walk with the Lord? We have to say, Lord, save me over and over again in this walk. We might have been saved, meaning we know if we die tonight, we are on our way to heaven. We believed in Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and his resurrection to justify us with God. We believe that. We're right with him. If we die tonight, great, we're going to heaven. But how many of you guys know we're still being saved too? We are saved. We're being saved. We will be saved eventually, even when Jesus comes back. This is a progression. This is called progressive sanctification, that there's still a long way to go in our walk with Jesus. 
There's a lot more to learn. There's still a lot more to grow in. We're going to have to say, Lord, save me over and over and over again in our walk. Because we're still falling. We're still sinking. We might have been standing in one area of our life, but we're sinking in another area of our life. And we still need Jesus to come through for us over and over again. So we say, Lord, save me. I need to be closer to you than I was yesterday. And I know I'm not as close to you, hopefully, as I will be tomorrow. So I just want everybody to understand that Peter in this moment, Needed to grow closer to Jesus. And this is the whole reason why Jesus sets this whole thing up. Just to help Peter know he hadn't arrived yet. He he had gone somewhere with Jesus. He had done some things with Jesus. But he still had a long way to go. Amen. And so that's the first thing I want us to understand from this saying. uh, Bid me come. Lord save me. The first thing we need to know is Peter was close. But he wasn't as close as he thought. Here's the second thing that we see revealed through the saying. Is that Simon was eager but not steadfast. Simon was eager to go walk on the water, but he wasn't steadfast to stay walking on the water. Do you find it interesting how quickly that verbiage changed from bid me come, let's go, let's do this thing, Lord. Oh no, help me, Lord, I'm sinking, save me. Like it's like this. And when I see Peter, I see myself When I see Peter, I I was even studying for this message and and so many stories begin to be revealed in my heart of my own life and even what I see many times in Christians when they first get saved and they begin to follow Jesus, there's still so much of their character that is unrefined. There's so much of their character that is still just so raw, so, so much of their character that is still so rugged. And you see this in Peter. What you see in Peter in the Gospels is so much different than the Peter you see in Acts. Why? Because he goes through this discipleship process. A process that the Lord has each of us on. That we're all in this process of growing our character. And you see that that Peter's character in this is somebody who's undisciplined, who's immature, I want you just to think about a kid for a moment. And I know we got some teachers in here that see kids all the time. And maybe some of y'all, you, you've raised your kids or you are raising kids. One of the things you see in kids all the time is their eagerness, their, their, even their rashness. That they're, they're ready to do something, but in a moment they change their mind. Have you ever heard a kid like, I want that drink, right? And you said, if you open this drink, you have to drink the whole thing. I want this toy. If you, if you want this toy, I'll buy it for you, but you better play with it. They open the drink, they open the toy, and in a moment, they change their mind. I don't want this drink anymore. I want to go do this. I I don't want this toy anymore. I want this other toy. You guys know what I'm talking about? I want you to understand that eagerness without steadfastness is a sign of immaturity. Eagerness to get into something, but not the steadfastness to continue that something is a sign of immaturity. I'm about to preach for the dream team leaders in this place. They they know all too much of Christians that are still being discipled in their character that, yay, I want to start the kids' ministry. But a few moments later, I actually want to go to the tech ministry, or I don't want to do any ministry at all. Wow, it's quiet in the church today. Right? I want you to know where this comes from. It's unrefined 
character. It's a person who might be saved and they love the Lord, but they're not disciplined in their walk with the Lord. They're just led by their emotions. They're just led by impulse. They're just led by whatever they feel in the moment. You see, this is clearly Peter in this story, in so many stories in the Gospels. He's super eager. He's super like, let's go, let's do it. But then when it gets in there, he's like, wait, hold on, not me. Did I say that? I didn't say that. Did I say that? Did I commit to that? No, I, I changed my mind. Do you guys see yourself here? I mean, Peter clearly was rash, zealous, and impulsive. I remember this clearly has been a part of my character in so many ways. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for him taking me through the discipleship process and just getting this junk out in me and out of me, I should say. Like, I would still be like this in a lot of ways. Like, I remember one of the stories that came to my mind as I was thinking about this was the first time I ever went skiing. Anybody ever gone skiing? All right. I'm Peter in the scenario. I see the, the skis. Oh, this can't be that hard. I see everybody else doing it. I could do this. Ain't no big deal. I skip the bunny hill and I straight up go to the big hill. So me and my wife, we are on vacation and said, hey, babe, let's go skiing. Oh, yeah, I can do it. She said, you, <laughs> wife always will tell their husband, what's up? You sure you shouldn't just start on the bunny hill? No, babe, I got the big one. It can't be that hard, right? I went from babes, let's go skiing to Lord save me as I was doing 50 down the hill. And I felt like I had flames coming outside the back of my skis. I was rash, eager, impulsive. Yeah, let's go to the big hill. When I got down by the grace of God and the grace of God only, because I said, Lord, save me. My, uh, what are the things that you hold on your hands? The, the, the poles or whatever for skiing. One of them snapped in half as I was tumbling down the bottom of the hill. I literally thought, dude, this thing could have impaled me. I I literally, I could have died. You know, you hear about people dying from skiing accidents all the time. For whatever reason, that was outside of my mind when I thought, I can do that. Kind of like Peter here. Like, oh yeah, walk on water. Sounds like a cool idea. Except for once he gets in there and he's feeling it. And the wind and the waves and all that stuff comes. He's changing his tune. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. After I was done with Lord, save me. And I got up. Went skiing literally down one hill. I've never went skiing again. I took my skis and the broken pole. I think I hid the broken pole. Talk about bad character. I didn't even turn in the, I didn't even turn in the, the, the skiing pole or whatever. I literally, I don't know if I just hit it, acted like it never happened. And then I went and I said, hey, can we get the tickets for tubing next door? So I went tubing instead. I've never been skiing again. Uh, now after I'm preaching this message, I got to go on the bunny hill, got to start in square one, work my way up to the bigger hill, learn how to do those things. How often is this in our Christianity y'all where we want to go and do the impossible? We want to do whatever we think we can. I remember at one point in my life, I can pastor a mega church and I had only pastored like 50 people before. 
What is it inside of us that is so eager, so rash, so willing to jump to to phase 10 when we haven't even been faithful in one, two, three, or four yet? It's unrefined character. It's pride. It's rashness. It's zealousness. It's eagerness. But it hasn't been matched with steadfastness, with faithfulness with learning all of the different lessons in those different stages so you'll be ready for the next one. Come on, am I preaching to anybody who understands this in their Christianity? This is something that the Lord has begun to work on and still is working on in my own life. There's been so many times I'm ready to jump in without really thinking through all of all of the ins and outs of it, thinking about the commitment of it, thinking about how important it is maybe to grow in my learning and my, and my understanding of a certain situation. I don't want to, to learn the discipline of, of homework. I don't want to learn the discipline of the ins and outs of these things. I, I just want to jump straight to the final and let's pass that test so I can move on with my life. Peter's clearly this way. And the way that the Lord has worked in Peter in this story is the same way he has worked in my own life. How does he do it? God uses our surroundings to work on our character. God uses our surroundings to work on our character. If it's in a boat in a storm, like it was for Peter in this scenario, or if it was on the ski slope with your wife, if it's at work in a project with your coworkers, if it's at home with your family around the dinner table, The Lord will use your surroundings to work on your character. It'll be revealed to you in those moments where you're lacking, what you're lacking. Maybe it's patience. Now, part of patience is endurance. Maybe it's love. You need some Work on love in your life to be more loving to people around you. Well, the Lord's going to send some unloving people in your path. It's in the everyday stuff of life where those things come and it reveals to us where we're still lacking in our life. Peter clearly has this revelation of, yeah, I'm somebody. Look at me. I'm walking on the water. I did it. Let's go. And then before he knows it, he's sinking. Lord, save me. Where is that happening in your life? Yeah, you might be saved. You might be following Jesus. But where are you seeing these character issues in your life? What's being revealed? What's being said about you from your spouse? Trust me, they know you. They know you better than yourself. Man, why is it so quiet in the house today? (laughs) What's happening in that workplace environment where you're trying to move forward with the project but things keep happening. Where are you at in that process? What do you need to work on? Isn't it so easy for us to say it's them? Peter in the scenario could have been looking back at the disciples, like blaming them. Like, why are they out here with me? They would, they could have been out here with me to help me stay up. Right. What's going on in your life? What is being revealed through the surroundings around you about your character that you still need to work on? When you see these things, say, Lord, save me. 
I need your help today. I'm still not that close to you. I still am not refined in my character. Lord, would you help me be a more faithful person? Would you help me go and keep on going when the going gets tough? Would you help me keep on loving when the loving gets tough? Would you keep on helping me to be steadfast and not just eager in my life? Clearly, Simon needed to learn this. And guess what? If you don't learn these lessons and character in your discipleship with Jesus, guess what? You're going to just keep having the same test over and over and over again until you get it right. If I want to go skiing and I want to learn how to be a okay skier, because I'm never going to learn how to be a professional one. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not my thing. But if I ever want to graduate from the bunny hill, I got to be faithful and go to the bunny hill. I got to learn, not just be eager to go conquer the big one. I got to be willing to learn how to conquer the small one. Where is this at in your life? Where's your character lacking this in your life? Guess what? If you don't pass that test in those lessons, the Lord is giving you. He's just going to give you that lesson over and over and over and over and over again. How does Peter go from the Peter in the Gospels, the Simon in the Gospels to the Peter in the book of Acts, he had to face the same lesson of being eager but not steadfast over and over and over again. You see this later on, and we'll talk about a whole message where he says, Lord, I won't deny you. How eager was he in that moment just to say, I'm not going to do something? But what about his follow through? What about the commitment that keeps on when that person is in front of him saying, you are one of his disciples And it's right outside of where Jesus is being judged. And that fear creeps in. Wasn't that the same scenario on the water that he's now having in real life? In a real life scenario? Yeah, I won't deny you. Let's walk. And then just a few moments later, he's sinking. He had to keep going through these tests. The same Peter who was really eager when he has this revelation of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he sees Jesus, but he also sees Moses and Elijah, he was so eager. Let's set up a tabernacle for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. He was so quick, so eager to do something that was even wrong in his life. He had to learn this over and over again. When Jesus was washing his, his feet, he said, you ain't going to wash my feet. He was so eager to say it in a moment. He had this unrefined, undisciplined speech in his life. Maybe that's something that we all need to work on in our character. We're so eager and quick to say something, but we're not steadfast to say the things that the Lord wants us to say. I know I'm preaching today because I'm talking to Christians, including myself, that are in a process of growth and development. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to change that character that is off and not right and not good to make it more like Jesus who was clearly not just eager to save us but was steadfast not just willing but Lord I know I don't feel like doing this but nevertheless not my will but your will be done the one whom Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. How many of you guys are thankful for the character of Jesus, that it wasn't just eagerness, but steadfastness that brought salvation 
to the world. All right, so we're, we're trying to develop character, and the Lord is in us, developing character in us to continue to be more like him. So you see this in, in Peter. So he, he obviously was eager but not steadfast. That was revealed by this statement. But also, here's the third and final thing. Simon had faith. We see this, the revelation of this statement. Bid me come, Lord, save me. Simon had faith but also had doubt. It's possible, and let me even say this, probable, that you will have faith in Jesus in one area of your life, but you doubt him in another area of your life. We think of faith and doubt as you can have one, but you're not going to have the other. I want you to understand clearly, Peter had faith and doubt at the very same time. This is another area of development in Peter's life that he needed to learn that this situation was, was the school of the hard knocks of Jesus. A lot of people will say, oh, uh, the, the disciples, they never went to a seminary. They never went to Bible college or anything like that. And they'll use that as an excuse not to study and not, oh, I can go and preach right away because they, they didn't have to do that. No, listen, they went to school. They went to the greatest school with the greatest teacher of all time, Jesus. And their lesson for that day was out at 3 a.m. Have you ever had class at 3 a.m., Billy? (laughs) It was 3 a.m. on the water in a storm where a ghost like Jesus comes and is walking towards them. Talk about a classroom and a lesson for the day. This was a this was a. Story from Jesus. This was a moment with Jesus that was to bring about, again, more discipline, character, and even faith in Peter's life. But you see, he has faith, but he also has doubt. Let's look at Matthew 14, 29, 30. Let's go back to the scripture that we were reading. And it said, he said, come. This is talking about Jesus. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. The Bible says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. That is what gave Peter faith to get up out of the boat and start walking on the water. And by faith, he was walking on the water. So clearly he had faith in the word of Jesus to say, come. He believed that word enough to get out of the boat He's beginning to walk on the water by faith, and he's doing something that is completely impossible simply because Jesus said, come, and he believed it. So he clearly had faith that the water would sustain his weight as he was walking out there in that moment. And he begins to walk, and he's walking for a few moments. But then because of the boisterous waves and wind or whatever that was around him, He began to doubt, not that the water couldn't sustain him. He clearly saw that, but the wind was greater than the power that was sustaining him on that water. So he had faith in that moment, but he begins to doubt because the wind and the waves that he believed in this moment or doubted would actually be his demise and that would cause him to sink. And so that's what he was sinking as a result of. I want you to think about where does this apply in your life? Where does this resonate in your life? Where have you been walking on water 
but have begun to sink in your relationship with God? Where have you had faith in God in one area of your life, yet you're sinking because of doubt in another area? Maybe you've believed him for your salvation and forgiveness of your sins, but you're struggling with the doubt of a situation of provision in your life, or maybe to bring a relationship in your life, or to bring healing in your life, or a promise that you've been believing in your life. How often is this us? It's the same. We are walking on the water. We're having faith in Jesus in one area, yet we're looking and doubt begins to overcome us in another area. I can't tell you how often this has been me in my walk with Jesus, where I have had faith for provision, but doubt and healing in my own body. I've had faith for God to build this church. But as I've told you along the way, I've also had doubt that he would build my family. I've had faith that he would heal others, but doubt that he would heal my wife. How often are we like Peter trying to follow Jesus? We're having faith even in him in one area, but we're doubting him in another area. Can I tell you this will be all of us at some point? None of us have perfected faith. I know we can feel guilty of that, especially when all you hear is faith preached in church. You begin to look at yourself and wish that you were the greatest of the greats in your faith. But guess what? Just like the greatest of the greats, like Peter, you're still going to struggle with doubt. And that's still going to be something you're going to have to overcome and learn to overcome and grow in your walk with God in is your faith in this, this thing called doubt. It's okay that you have doubt because you know why? Jesus is still there to save you. Peter is walking on the water, begins to sink. He does have doubt, but guess who's right there to pick him up when he's in the middle of his doubt? Oh, come on. I'm preaching to somebody today. I said, you might be in the middle of doubt. You might be in the middle of sinking, but I want you to know there's a Jesus right there in the middle of your doubt to pick you up. If you would just say, Lord, save me. Come on, somebody. He's right there. You don't have to get it right in faith every single time. Even in the middle of your doubt, he's there to pick you up. In the middle of your doubt, he's still there to work in your life. In the middle of your doubt, he's still there to grow you so that you can become like the Peter on, on that day where he's walking past the gate of beautiful and that beggar is saying, would you give me some change? And he says, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why is he able to do that? Why is he able, after he denies the Lord, Three times because of the Jewish leaders. How is he in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, where he's standing before those same leaders? How is he able to say, listen, you can tell me all you want to stop preaching about Jesus, but who should I obey, the Lord or you? He says, I can't help but speak what I've seen and heard. How is he able to go from that place of doubt and fear where he's standing before that lady who's asking him, are you one of his disciples? And he says, no, 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 I don't know the man. How's he able to go from that to, you can beat me, you can whip me, you can do whatever you want to me. But as for me, I'm only going to speak what I've seen and heard. As for me, I'm only going to obey the Lord. How's he able to do that? Moments like this where he wrestled with his doubt. 
Y'all, we are so afraid of doubt in the church because we've been preached to over and over again with some truth that it's impossible to please God without faith. Yeah, but he's compassionate in your doubt. Oh, man. This will set you free. It's okay for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord if you will just allow him to work on you. If you will just come to him in honesty. Lord, I'm sinking. Would you help me? Did Jesus turn away the man who had his son having seizures, throwing by the devil into the fire? When he comes and he wasn't able, none of the disciples were able to cast out this demon. Jesus comes to this man and he says, do you have faith? And this man is like all of us. I promise you. He says, I believe, Lord. But help my unbelief. We all are like Peter. We're all like this man. I believe, Lord. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you don't believe anything. Okay. Now's your opportunity today to believe. If you're a Christian, you've believed enough to come to him. You've believed enough to leave everything like Peter to follow him. But you still have moments in your life and moments in your struggles, moments in the fears and moments where you feel like he's not coming through. You see the wind and you see the waves and you see the lack of provision. You see the lack of that promise you've been believing God for. I believe, Lord, enough to give you my heart, enough to follow you, but Lord, help my unbelief. Where are you at right now in your life, in this area? Where does this message resonate with you? Can I tell you, be like that man who says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Be like Peter. If you're sinking in doubt, just reach out to the Lord a little bit more and say, Lord, save me. This relationship with God is not a matter of perfection. It's a matter of growth and development. He doesn't expect you to have it all right right away. None of the men of God, none of the women of God started at square one perfect except for Jesus. Our job is just to follow him in our imperfections. Our job is just to keep on trying to believe in the middle of our doubt. Our job is just to draw near to him, try to come and walk on water if we have to, to be close to him and allow him to do the work that he wants to do in our life. So just like Simon, we're a work in progress. We're just trying to be close to Jesus. And that needs to be your heart as a Christian. Also like Simon, we need our character and faith to be developed in our life. And that's okay.